I'm going to kind of review from last week too because uh, I forgot my slides as you saw last week. So, um, but I've added a bunch of new stuff as well. And so, um, we've been really what's really been impacting me probably for the last two months is this whole um, uh, this idea of oneness and getting rid of like we were talking about Gnostic dualism. And I, I forever could not understand that because I'm a, a simple kid from Iowa. And all they could have had to say is get rid of the theological speak and go. God doesn't operate in good and evil. This eternal struggle between good and evil, that's something we believe. He only operates in life. So he doesn't operate good versus evil where there's somehow there's this evil force that we need to overcome by a higher force. In fact, we'll show some of those things that Paul's teaching, etc. He goes, only focus on this because you're one with me. So darkness is the reality of the lack of light, right? And God, God identifies himself as a couple things. He identifies himself as what? Love. He identifies himself as light, and he identifies himself as what? Consuming fire. So his, his consuming fire burns up all the wrong belief, etc. It's not the devil that has the fire. Nobody gives him the fire. In fact, you want a really head-scratcher. By the time you get to Revelation, it says, Lucifer is who? Jesus. <laughs> oh, that'll just throw the whole elders board through a loop. But anyway... Um, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ that, hey, you guys thought there was this good evil, etc., just like mythology, but I'm coming to show you that it's not like that. There's life and everything I've created is good. So if that's the source of light and I turn my back, what do I create? Right here. I create a shadow. So this is what the, the founding fathers called evil, is that everything that God didn't create, it's the lack of reality. You know, Saul is, is persecuting Christians because uh, the people always want to go, what about Hitler, right? And my response is, what about Saul? Saul was killing Christians in the name of God, was he not? And then what happened to Saul? He saw a great light. And that's what scripture says. It says the light shines in the darkness. So the light, he's in and through and withholds everything. He shines through us, but the darkness doesn't what? Comprehend it. So he's in and through and he's shining nonstop. There is no darkness to him in the way he is. He goes, I shine through everything. You just don't understand it. But when we catch it, the revelation, the understanding, the light, what happens? We start to experience it. It starts to come out of the heart. And so it's just fascinating to me. So here's what I'm trying to get a hold of you is this, this, uh, this idea. Once we get rid of, um, I've got to create this struggle. I've got to somehow twist God's arm. I need, to, uh, I need to be a better Christian. I need to read the Bible more, pray more, fast more, etc. That is, that is good and evil, guys. That is the knowledge of good and evil. There's a way that sounds right to a man, but the end, it leads to what? Death. It actually, you can never be good enough. You can always, and it really, it does one of two things. It makes you either feel totally invaluable, like I'm not worthy because somebody else is always doing it better, or um, I get a little self-righteous because I'm a little bit Christian than that guy right? And both of them are just ugly to me. When I get around it, I go, I see so many non-believers live such beautiful lives that we would call a non-believer. And I go, what's with the angry Christians? And it's because they never know that they're one. They, they really don't understand it. And it says the law was given to stir up the stuff to prove to you that you can't do it. It has to be by grace. And I freely give. And that, it, it's really awesome at the end of the day when you can kind of go, I'm one with him. So that's, that's where all this came from is not focusing on the problem. How do I create the solution, et cetera. It's really when we focus on light and what's already done, what's already true about us in the spirit realm, not operating out of the flesh, meaning and flesh is not sinning in the flesh and all these things. Flesh is, um, I believe that the, the Jews believe that they were one with God because they were born in Jewish lineage. That's flesh. And Paul in all the scriptures say, you know what? We don't judge any man according to the flesh anymore. We judge them all in the 
spirit. We once judged Jesus in the flesh, but now we realize he's in the spirit, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Doesn't it say that? So when a problem arises, what are we supposed to do? Well, let me tell you if you don't know. So let's go to the first slide. <laughs> Here's a rule in our house. I'm not saying we're perfect, but I go, no freaking out. First rule is don't freak out, guys. You've been around this enough, right? I was like, just time out, stop. There's no emergencies in the kingdom. There's really not. It's really pretty amazing to me because the reality is we might see some things, but you know, Paul in Romans 8, he goes, I can't conceive of anything that would separate me from you. And he lists some death, you know, poverty, all these different things. He goes, that is a non-reality in his mind. He sees us already done in the spirit. So he goes, focus on what's true about you, not what you see. And it's not this hyper faith that most of you have been talking about. Persuasion is just I'm one with him. And his, his, his light just overwhelms my darkness. His wealth overwhelms my poverty. His health over, overwhelms my nonsense in my body. Does, does that make sense? And so uh, anyway, so no matter what the situation is, God has already provided. That's what you need to know. When he said it's finished, in fact, we just saw in Ephesians, in, in uh, Peter, it says the same thing. It says, before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of cosmos, creation, where were you? In him. It wasn't when you were 13 and you did your confession of faith. You may have had to come awake to that, but uh, uh, it didn't change who you were. You were always a son, and you could never be separated from him. And so anyway, I think you've gotten that over the last year or two years when, when we go back to the, the church fathers. So when we feel anxious, you guys, when we, have, has anybody ever felt anxious, anxious about the situation besides me? I probably do it every day. And if you get it, it's just meditation. If we start feeling anxious, we are meditating on what? What's not true about us, the darkness, right? And it, 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 and it always is, is uh, what if I don't have enough money? What if I don't have enough health? What if, I don't ha what if I don't feel loved? What if I feel, we start experiencing the darks, the darkness, what's not true about us. But when we, when we teach what Jesus taught and what Paul taught, you start to experience life. Everything that's true about you, you just bring about out of the spirit into what we can see. Does that kind of make sense to you guys? So don't freak out. Um, and it, see, the feelings, how I was taught in Word of Faith was the feelings don't matter, facts don't matter. I go, feelings matter a lot. They, they matter a lot. Because really, in my opinion, it's, uh, uh, it's really identifying something that we're not believing the truth about ourselves. And we all have it, guys. So let's not get defensive about it. But let's realize if we're anxious about something, we're not focusing on the light of that, the truth of that. What are we focused on? The non-reality of that, the, the wrong thing that's really not true about us. So when we're focused on him and his presence is fullness of joy, his presence is shalom, it's irene. And to, to the Jew, irene or shalom was completeness, wholeness, union in every area. You guys get it? All right. So we don't, this is a big one too. Um, you'll never ask me, how's your prayer life? I'll never ask you that. I'm sorry. I'll never ask you, how's your prayer life? I was asked that all the time. How, how often do you pray in tongues? Because they were boasting about how much they prayed in tongues. So then finally I just lied because I was like, I'm going to get this guy off my back. Because um, it was always like, oh, not enough, apparently. Uh, yet when I was a child, I never even worried about it. And he goes, you know what? When you become a child, when you realize he's provided everything and you're one with the, the, the source of everything, um, what happens? You experience the kingdom is what it says, Right? not taking care for anything. So anyway, so we're not praying to this distant God. He's one with you. In fact, uh, you can't get any closer. He's there. And so I think most of us, when we read that English word ask, it says, if you ask anything, 
and almost all the prayer books, I just think are gobbledygook, guys. I just think no wonder Christians aren't experiencing joy uh, because they think they're still begging and somehow persuading and they're going to get their faith meter up high enough and finally God will move. And that's not how it works. He goes, you're one with me. Anything you require, you already have. When you understand that oneness, it brings out what's true about you into the spirit. So anyway, we rest in the fact that we're one with perfect love. Um, I mean, you kind of love your grandkids, don't you? If he goes, hey, what, what does he call you, Rose? He call you grandma or what he, Nana? Yeah? Oh, in fact, Peggy, I found out your name last night. It's Mo. <laughs> they told me, Turner and your kids told me. So anyway, I love it. I said, I'm going to call her Momo. Does that, does that work? I give everybody nicknames typically. So you still love me? You're my Momo. All right. So uh, I love it. So, but think about this, guys. If he's hungry, does, do you require, do you depend on his faith to feed him? That would be Christianity. Union is he realizes Nana's just good, right? You may not get him 10 pounds of sugar, but uh, Grandpa might. I would. If you want that? Yeah, this is good. good. Sugar's synonymous with good taste for little kids. So anyway, um, isn't it? I can't imagine getting like some whole food grain cookie or something like, where are the chocolate chips, man, if I was a kid? So anyway, it's good. It's okay. So he, he's fully persuaded you love him and you're going to take care of him. That's where we need to be. Does that make sense? In fact, he doesn't even need to think about it. He's already provided everything you need before he asks. That's what scripture says. So anyway, um, when we realize that uh, we're one with provision, I don't have to look for provision. I just need to focus on I'm one with it. We can bring it out. Does that make sense to you guys? Because I think most people look at the bills and then have a strategy and a plan and all this stuff. And I go, yeah, you can do that, but you're going to lose sleep. The truth is you're one with it and you can bring it out of the spirit. You're a son. You're part of the house. You're an heir. You're not a good, bad evil tree, right? So that's a slave mentality. That's the servant is what it said, where I have to do and then this. And uh, boy, I catch myself even now, the more I'm starting to understand this, almost all success trainings on that. If you do this many things, if you do all that. And uh, I just know the most free times in my life where life just worked is we didn't do any of that. We just believed everything was going to work and God's good. And, and uh, if something didn't look quite right, we, we, we tried to stay focused on the truth about who we are, that we're one with provision, we're one with perfect love, we're one with perfect health. I don't get my health from if this, then that, don't do this, keto that, don't do the, the sickest people I've ever met. And I'm serious about that. I'm not negative. It's like you've set up a law for yourself. And so um, we were talking about this last night is Joseph Prince. He goes, the sickest time I ever was is when I was focused on health because you're operating on the good, bad tree. Now I'll get off that because you guys don't like that. I know you like your stuff. So uh, I just don't. I love to have a hot dog and a beer and go, life is good, man. Thank you, Lord. Just why aren't the Yankees? Jeez, the Yankees aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So anyway, um, when we keep our mind on union, where there's oneness, right? Is there any darkness in God? Is there any lack of provision in God? Is there any lack of health in God? Is there any lack of value that how he thinks about you and him? That's where we have to keep our minds. Does that, does that make sense? It's not this eternal struggle versus good and evil. Now we've made Christianity like every other religion. So we don't need to do that. All right. So let's go, let's go uh, to the, the next slide. This is just a little review. Um, if we can hit that next slide, it'd be great. 
All right, John 14, 14. I covered this a little bit just even in communion. And if you ask, that's that Greek word, ahiteo. And it's, in English, it sounds like, can I have this? And that is one of the definitions of ask. But more importantly is uh, when, when your grandson asks you for food, is there any doubt you're going to say no? If he's hungry. I get it if you're like, hey, grandma, can I have 10 suckers? And you go, no, you have to eat first. Um, right? But it's not, there's no doubt whether you're going to provide for him. He's fully persuaded of that, isn't he? Yeah, of course. That's how we need to be fully persuaded of that. That's true faith. And the true faith is not based on our faith because that, that'll fail us every time. It's when we, when we aren't faithful, guess what? You're in union with the one who has perfect faith. So you can rest your faith in his faith. Does that make sense? I do that all the time. I go, you know what? My faith wavers, Lord, but it's so comforting to know that I'm one with perfect faith and you'll never fail me. Is that beautiful? That's easier for me to be persuaded of his faith than my faith, right? Because, uh, who knows, somebody cuts you off on the interstate and your faith wavers. And, um, at least mine does every now and then. So I know you're perfect Christians, little angels. and I've heard some stuff come out of your mouths, though. So it was fascinating to me. Austin said, wow, we're back on the farm. I finally met you. <laughs> I've had some of the nicest little Christian elders. All of a sudden, something happens where they get hurt. And whoa, very nice. So oh, repent, confess Nothing could separate you from God. Come on, guys. So if you, if you require anything, knowing what my name entitles you. See, if you go look into this in context, uh, Philip goes, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. And kind of Jesus is kind of like, really, guys? How long has this taken? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're one. And then he says something totally profound, which Paul talks about, Jesus talks about, John talks about. In fact, not only is the Father in me and I'm in you, you're in me and I'm in you. That is, the, that is the mystery that was head, kept hidden for the ages, but was now revealed. Christ where? One with you or in with you. Christ literally means, means man and the reality of man and spirit becoming one. You guys know your body's completely redeemed? You're one. You're one. Whose body is Christ using right now? Us. That's what it says. We're the body, isn't it? We're the body. And so anyway, once, once we know we're completely redeemed, we're one with him. That's why it says when you realize we're one in that name, if you require anything, knowing that you're my son and I'm in you and you're in me, that's the whole context of this. Not only have you seen me, Philip, you've seen yourself in me. Same thing with Peter when he says, hey, who, who, who's everybody say I am? What, what was Peter's response? You're the son of God. And what was, God's, what was Jesus' response? Upon that reality, Peter, I'll build my church. When you realize you're fully sons, that's what will build the church. You guys get it? Religion will not build it. It'll keep you veiled from perfect love. If I do this, then this. It's, you have to be, understand we're union. Peter, when you realize I'm a son, that's what I'm going to build my church on. Right? You guys get it? The truth that, whoa, Jesus is the son of God. Because to a Jewish culture, if you're a son, what does that mean? You're co-equal with the Father. In fact, I was just reading this today. One of the church fathers, Athanasius, says this. Athanasius says, God became man so that we may become God. We're one, just like Jesus. Isn't that wild? And people freak out about all that. And like, you're saying you're God? I'm like, no, I'm one with him, though. It's beautiful. It's this mystery is what Jesus talks about. Or am I reading a different book than you're reading? It's true. Isn't that what it says? And so anyway, you guys know that, John 10, 34, when they goes, why are you, they wanted to kill him. He said, what for good works are you killing me for? And, he's, and uh, 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we're not killing you for any good work. Why are we killing you? Because you say you're a son, which is blasphemy because that makes you equal with the son. What was Jesus' response? Hey, your own book, he starts quoting Psalm 82, 6. He says, your own book says ye are Elohim's. I'm only saying I'm a son of a God. Your book says you are one with Elohim. Why do you kill me that I'm just a son? And scripture cannot be broken. He goes, it's a truth. Is that good or is that good? That's that's the context of this. He goes, once you realize you're one with me, guys, you require anything, it's yours. That that, that my name entitles you to. Now, get it, guys. He's not going to go... if some guy's like, I'm going to leave my wife and go, go hook up with this other babe. That's not God's best, is it? So people are like, so anything? I'm like, what his name requires. No, that's not in his name. Now, you might go do that and be stupid, but I wouldn't recommend it. But that's not what his name entitles. His name is salvation. It's wholeness. It's oneness. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You guys get it? Okay, so you got it. So, in that day will you, go verse down to 20, in that day will you know that we are in seamless union with one another. If, you, if, it, if it's seamless, if you can't tell where one starts and what begins, so when you're looking at yourself, or you look at me just because I'm up here right now, um, what he's trying to say is you can't really tell where you begin and God begins. You've, be, you've become one. Is that hot or is that hot? I love that anyway. So, in that day, when you know, when you become intimate with this knowledge that you're seamless union with another, I'm in the Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. That's all covenant language. It says the Father, Holy, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have made you one with me. This is the, the, the truth that's been, the original lie was somehow we were separated in the garden. And God goes, no, I, you were never separated. Who told you that? Right? So he goes, this, this, this truth that's being unveiled at the very end is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the truth about that was before the foundation of the world. I'm not saying that's what scripture says. That's a beautiful thing. So now, now I can just talk to people and go, man, he loves you perfectly. And once you realize that he loves you perfectly, every, and he is love, so everything he has is love, when you realize how much he loves you, you can rest knowing that everything's going to be okay. So you guys get it? Now, we're not perfect, and even when we, when, we're, when we worry and anxiety, et cetera, I'd encourage you to try cast your care as much as you can to him, but even when we don't, does it somehow limit him, his faith? No, no. So even when I feel anxious, whatever, I can always come back to, and settle myself, ground myself, and root myself going, you know what, Lord? <sighs> I'm not very good at this casting care thing. But even when I still have cares, nothing has ever changed about your truth about me. So your faith can kick in any time now, <laughs> and I can rest in that. Does that help you guys? That's what it says. So, uh, so then it says, shalom or peace, Irene in the Greek, be with you. I give you my own Irene. If we go look down on that, it says, Irene is from the root word Iro, to join together into a whole, properly wholeness, when all essential parts are joined together. Peace, God's gift of wholeness, after the Hebrew word shalom, which means security, safety, prosperity, felicity. So let's, let's, let's take that. Here's what he's saying, verse 27. Well, if you understand this whole thing, he goes, sometime, hopefully, you'll understand this revelation that I'm in you and you're in me and you're one with the Father. And verse 20, in that day, you'll know we're in seamless union. Everything I have, you have, right? I'm in you, you're in me, and peace be with you. So, let's, so here's what he's really saying. He's saying irene in the Greek, but he says, security, safety, prosperity, felicity is with you. 
Peace be with you. And then we just go see what it is. I give you security, safety, prosperity, felicity. I give you peace. Not as the world gives. I just give it freely. So you guys getting this? The whole context is once you realize you're one with me, if you require anything knowing that you're one with me in this family, you'll realize I've already given you my peace and everything you're ever going to need is already given to you. You can become like a child again and really not have all the cares involved. In fact, Rent, Leslie and Turner, we were talking about that last night. Like, I, had all, I thought I was going to be a professional football player until fourth grade. And Mrs. Vermeer told me that was silly. Uh, but I honestly was. My, my Vern and Herder, the 72 Dolphins, was from my little town in, in Iowa. And I remember in fourth grade, they gave us a blank picture of Snoopy and gave us some crayons and said, color what you want to be when you grow up. Like, oh, this is easy, man. I'm going to be a Miami Dolphin. This is how powerful suggestion is, right? I'm all fired up. I'm drawing a helmet. I'm going, the Gary Rupermian helmet, you know, one bar. You know what I'm talking about? Not like the cool helmets you got now. It's like one bar. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and he's Snoopy's like this. So I put this football out in front of him. And she comes like, oh, like disgusted. I'm like, this is a teacher. If I ever saw a teacher do that to my kids now, I'd be like, you're not a teacher. You're a, an accuser. You're the Satan. You're the accuser. You're the adversary. You're not, you're not understanding there's oneness here, right? But anyway, she's like, get realistic, Mike. I, I can, honestly, from that day, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be a football player. How bad. I was dejected, honestly, because I, somebody that I trusted um, in authority told me that wasn't real. So to a child, what is that? It becomes real, right? But that's why Paul and all Jesus teaches and says, no, get back to this oneness. Get back to this idea that you're one with me and a son and you're in my name. And then you'll start to experience it like a child. Is that cool? You guys getting this, what I'm trying to share with you? So, all right. So my security, my safety, my prosperity, I give you my own shalom, my own irony. This is not the kind the world gives. This is peace in the midst of trouble. Is anybody going through trouble? You'll need to raise your hand. We all have some. What we're supposed to focus on is we already have it and we're one with him. And he loves us enough that everything he has brings it out of the spirit. You guys get it? So um, anyway, we can go to the next slide. Let's, get, let's go on some new stuff. So that was a little review. So 2 Corinthians 10.3. I'm just going to show you a couple of them. We can do a lot more on this too. Um, so here's Paul's writings. And what I'm trying to show you here is, does Paul talk about the struggle between good versus and evil? And you, can't, you probably should know my answer already. He doesn't. It, the, the evil is not something we have to overcome. It's we have to shine light on what's true about us into the darkness right? So um, if, if, if God said he's already given you his, his prosperity, his shalom, how much prosperity do you already have? All of it. You know what? I, I give you my peace, my security, my wholeness, my everything, because you're one with me. If you take it in context, that's what he's saying. When you realize you're in my family, you've got everything I have. You're in the house. You're in the name of God. You're in the household of God. So for though we walk in the flesh, what does that mean? I was born of my mom and dad, so we, we, right? Though we walk in the flesh, we don't fight or war according to the flesh. The flesh is the good and evil tree, the good, bad tree. If I do, then this. If you don't do, then really bad. Deuteronomy 28. That's why it says, hey, the, the new covenant with better promises, built on better blood, everything, because the new covenant is based on what? Yes and amen. It's not if then. It's yes and Amen. And I'm telling you, most, most Christian television, most ministers, it's almost everything that comes out of their mouth is yes and amen. Or not yes and amen, it's if you do, then this. If you don't, then this. And nothing could be further from the truth, guys. So did Jesus ever do that? In fact, the only people he did that to were who? The Pharisees. 
where the rich young ruler says, hey, I've done that. I've kept everything from my youth. And what does Jesus tell him? Oh, then you know how to do it. But there's always one thing you're going to miss. There's one thing you missed. And he went away sad. But he never does it to the sinner. Go check it out. The only guy who he resists are the proud. And the proud were, I can do it. I'm a better Christian. I did this. I said the magic words. I'm a good guy. That is good and evil tree, guys. He says, you know what? I pour out my spirit on how much flesh? All flesh. Everybody's going to know me from the least to the greatest. And I'm going to write my, my truths where? On your heart. On your heart. You shall worship me in spirit and truth. Because in, so this is where, guys, I, I got I to gotta teach on the mythology sometime. I think it'll really help you. We talked about it last night a lot. This is, that's how C.S. Lewis became a Christian. Just because Tolkien goes, hey, script, God was using mythology and subverting it, meaning turning it upside down, just like the sacrifice. All the other gods required a human sacrifice to appease them. Jesus comes along and he goes, no, I'll let you sacrifice me. I'll be the scapegoat and I'll still forgive you. Nothing can separate you from my, blood, from my love. And that's where if you really look at scripture clearly, it says, you thought I demanded sacrifice. I hate it, is what he said. That was man's idea. I, I just, I've always loved you and forgiven you. That's good, isn't it? So, for though we walk in the flesh, we're born, we have this flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are they mighty? Mighty in God for pulling out demons over Colorado Springs. Wait a minute. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> or, or throwing you in some water and cleansing you. No, that was, that was what they were doing in the Old Testament. That's what they did, right? He goes, guys, don't you get it? Nothing external matters. It's what in the heart that defiles a man. Follow me? And he talked about food there too, which is really interesting. So anyway, um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're only casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. It's something in here. It's something we believe. So casting itself down to the knowledge of God, bringing every demon into captivity. What do we need to take captive of? Our thoughts, right? Bring every, that's where the war is. We said it's, it's in here. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, 8 is another example. Finally, this is when we talked about this earlier. So at the end when we're like, let me sum up all this stuff, right? And again, does Paul talk about, hey, uh, do this to get this or don't do this and don't do that? Let's see what Paul says to do. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, you guys get it. Whatsoever things are lovely, our good report, if there be any virtue, if there are any praise, think on these things, right? Romans 12, too. You, you guys, most of you guys know it by heart. If you go into any Christian bookstore, you'll, you'll see it. It says, be not conformed to this world. Do you, anybody know what that word world is there? Here's how I was taught. You're in the world, but not of the world. Right? Well, what am I then? I'm here. What am I? Don't do that, because that's worldly. Right? You know where all that came from, guys? Plato and Socrates. It came from Greek mythology. That world is bad. Anything physical is bad. It came from Gnosticism, too. Anything you can touch, see is bad. Only spirit's good. Does that, does that make sense? So he made earthly pleasures for what? For us. So if I, if I want to give my, my wife earthly gifts, does she like it? No, because we're spiritual. <laughs> so we, we're, we're, no, we're, we're, 
way above those. <laughs> Money doesn't make you happy. Exactly. Because we're, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Hey, man, I come home and I go, sweetie, we just got a $10,000 raise. He goes, no, I hope you gave it away because it's evil. I'm on the couch, guys. Come on, let's use our brains a little bit, right? What he's trying to say is not that at all. He says, listen, um, you're one with this. I'm in and through with everything. And so that, that idea that earthly things are bad is just nonsense to me. So he's like, think on these good things that are already true about you. Not if I do this, don't do this. What's true about you is every blessing that's already been provided. And so he says, think on these things. You don't have to overcome this evil with, with a, a higher degree of power called light. light. Evil does not even fight with light. So once you start to realize I am prosperous, what happens? You start to become it. You start to experience it. But if, we, if we're operating over that good, bad tree, I need to do that. I've seen, I've seen normal people, guys, be totally fired up about life, prospering in their business. They get saved and everything falls apart. What happened? You ever seen that at Bible school, Chris? Almost all the time, right? What happened? They started to believe the wrong thing. That they started to operate out of the good evil tree. That if you now that you're now that you're not in the world anymore, that that word is not there. That word Romans twelve two says this. It says, "You're of this age, eon, which has a definite end, but you're not of the age." Because that age, what was the what was the predominant thinking of the Jews in that age? To be blessed by God, you had to do what? Follow the law, right? But if you didn't follow the law perfectly, what happened? God's angry, needs to be appeased, bring a lamb. Right? That's mythology. That's pagan religion. That's, that's, God's trying to show you that everything about that is wrong. I'm subverting that. I'm telling you that's not true. I hated sacrifice. I didn't like burnt offerings is what he said. That was your idea, Moses. I wanted to just be your God and you could be my people and everybody can enter into the holiest of holies nonstop. I wanted to make you a kingdom of kings and priests. That was his idea. But they said, no, no, whatever you tell us to do, Lord, let us operate in that good, bad tree, right? And what is it like? Okay, let's try these 10. How how well did that work? The first one they broke when they came down from Mount Sinai, right? It it doesn't work. And so anyway, where it says, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this age. You don't have to do all that stuff. Now think about that, guys. So Paul comes, the apostles come, and they go, hey, you don't have to follow any of these rules anymore. You're just blessed by God. Did that stir some stuff up or did that stir some stuff up? Right? Did Jesus break all the religious rules or or didn't he? He comes in, eats the showbread, he eats on the Sabbath, walks on the Sabbath, drinking wine, eating food, not fasting. Religious people freak out. Right? He goes, oh yeah, that stuff, that was just a shadow, but the good thing is me. The real thing is me. You don't need to do all those rules anymore. I just bless because I bless. I love because I love. You guys get it? So, it says, be not conformed to this age, but be ye transformed, metamorphosed, is what it says, changed by what? The renewing of your mind. See, see where everything happens, guys? Your thoughts, your mind, what you believe in here. Be ye transformed by the renewer of your mind. You guys know the next part of that verse? So you can prove, I'm, I'm going to put it in my words. When you focus on what's true about you, not what you have to do to get it, you will prove what's true, perfect, acceptable will of God for your life. That's what it says. Do not conform to this age, this eon, but be, see, because the Jews taught this age and the age of ages, the age to come, right? Now, we translate the 
forever and ever, and we could talk about that forever. It's, it's like the worst translation in the world. It says the age, and that word, the way, what we translated is forever and ever, that and, is, is this word ton, and it means of. So it says the age of ages, the king of kings, the lord of lords. But when we wanted to scare people about eternal torture, we said forever and ever you're going to be tortured. We totally change it. That's the only time it's changed. It says the age of ages, what the Jews believed, right? There's this life, and then there's the age of ages, and the ages are coming to an end is what it says. He's the bookend of the ages. There was a 40-year overlap between the old and the new, but then that withered away, and what's left? The new. We sing a new song. Everything's new. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, the new creation has come, right? We're not waiting for... Uh, I'm in Colorado Springs, man. This will get me thrown out of Colorado Springs. <laughs> He's leaven, guys. It's going to get better and better and better, not worse. We're, we're, there's, nothing, there's no this rapture bad stuff to come. There's no, we, we can create it. When we start believing it, we can create it. And so there's nothing bad to come, though. He says, listen, if any man be in Christ, the new creation has already come. What are we waiting for? And he says that truth will ultimately permeate everything. Isn't that beautiful? Anyway. All right. So he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You notice there's nothing to do in there except for change what you believe, right? All these scriptures say it's not a battle between good and evil. It's just focus on the right thing, guys, and you'll start to experience it. Be not conformed to this age, but be ye transformed, metamorphosed, by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove the good and acceptable and perfect will for your life. When you Renew your mind about what's true about you. You'll start to experience it. It'll prove what's always been true about you. That's my interpretation of that. Does that make sense to you guys? All right. Let's, let's finish this up. You can get to your feet. Is this helping you guys? Do you see where, there's, where Paul never taught good, evil struggle? He was, no, nope, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness doesn't comprehend it. As soon as you see a great light, what's the revelation, the truth about you, you start to experience it. If we're still focused on good, bad behavior, all these different things. It sounds great, guys, but it ultimately kills you and it veils you from perfect intimacy. It, it would just be weird. Again, if you, the easiest thing for me is uh, to understand, if you look at, some of you guys don't come from a good marriage or my, I get it. Uh, my, my parents was not a good example of a good marriage um, or a good father or anything like that. So sometimes when I go, the easiest way for me to understand this is if I saw a good marriage, if I saw a good father, how would they treat their their son or their daughter, and how would they treat their wife? That's the easiest way, because God goes, listen, all creation speaks of me. So when you understand, when you see things in creation, you'll understand how I work, right? So he goes, and, and think about this, guys. It's, it's like, use your head sometimes. If I, if, if I want perfect intimacy with my wife, that when we experience oneness, I don't re put requirements on her to experience the oneness. The reality is we're one. Right? Does that, does that kind of make sense to you guys? I don't go, sweetie, you're my wife, so um, stop doing these things, then I'll be one with you and intimate you. Until then, I can't, you, your sin has separated me from you, and I can't look at you because I'm too holy to look at sin. And she'll go, I'll show you too holy to look at anything. So, right? You guys get it? I don't know what you're laughing about, but I'm from <laughs> Iowa and pure. So anyway... But come on, right? Isn't it goofy, the stuff we were taught? And if he's too holy to look at sin, was Jesus holy? Did he look at sin? Yes. Hung out with him. Right? He resisted the proud, but went to Zacchaeus' house. 
We were singing that last night, weren't we? <laughs> that just came to my mind, Leslie. You guys know what that? Have you guys learned that in Sunday school? Yeah, Peggy did, right? Sing it for us. Let's do it. You don't? I sing poorly, but I... Okay, I'll, I'll, you guys follow along. If you, if you know this, sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Being a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. No, I don't know the verse. What's, what's the next one? I just remember this. Zacchaeus, you come down, right? I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. There's so much truth in that, guys. Here's what he's doing. So Zacchaeus does what? To see the Lord. Climbs a tree. So when Adam and Eve, quote unquote, fell, what did they do? Covered themselves with fig leaves. A sycamore tree is a kind of a fig tree, guys. They thought, I got to do something, climb a tree to see the Lord. And what does Jesus say? No, no, come down from your own efforts, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house. Before Jesus ascends and he says, listen, I, if I didn't know there were many what? It literally says abodes. I know we think mansions. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yankees owner. I got my house in Aspen. I got my house in Long Island. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and you know what the truth of that is? He goes, you can have it now. It's yours. Just know you're one with me, right? But what he's really saying, he goes, listen, I go to prepare a place for you. If you really understand that, he goes, there's many abodes. And where's his abode? We're the mansion, guys. We're the abode. He goes, I prepare a place, so I will come back to you again. That's a cool, we could, we could go into that some other time. It's the same word. It says, I come to prepare a abode for you. And the abode is you. And there's many mansions, there's many abodes, and I'm going to go fill all of them. It's so cool when you understand it. So anyway, how was I getting in that? So I was just saying, get off the fig tree. Zacchaeus, get down. I'm coming to your house. Guess what? In that, you're going to realize that I'm going to live and be one with you. I'm going to dwell in you and you're in me. You're my abode. You're my temple. That's just cool to me. Anyway, so all right, no matter what the situation is, God has already provided. You guys got it? So when, something, when we see a dilemma, when we see something that's not right, what are we supposed to focus on? Please do not think you need to do something more. Like, I need to pray more, fast more, stop doing this more, do this more. That is, not, that is the good and evil tree, guys. That is Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 and on. Because you can never do it enough. That's what he was telling Zacchaeus. Get down from the stupid tree in your own efforts. Receive everything for free. I'm going to abode with you, Zacchaeus. You don't need to do anything to see me. I will be in you. It's oneness. It's the whole thing. So Paul's not telling us to battle good and evil. I think that's what most of us do. Let's, 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 let's create a plan. And I'm all for that, but I think my plan is, I got it all. Hallelujah. And when I operate in that, guess what starts to happen? I get creative. I start to be more happy. I go, man, I, I don't have to lust or have evil desires for anything because I have it all. So I know I can bring anything out of my spirit that we require. There's no reason to lust then. Because lust is meaning I, I see something that I can't have. But once you realize your oneness and he's in and through and withholds everything, hey, older son, the whole thing's yours. Just come into the house. Right? Are you making sense to any of you guys? That's the operating in the flesh versus the spirit. Good evil tree versus the tree of life. So he simply tells us to focus on what's true about us. Love, life, truth, reality in Christ, that I'm one with you. You're, you're one with perfect love. You're one with perfect provision. You're one with perfect health. You don't need to get it or receive it. All these weird religious words we are. You are it. 
when you focus on that, right? And guess what? He makes it really easy. If you just really let him love you from the inside, everything he has bubbles up. He says, why are you worried about all this stuff, what you're going to eat and all this stuff? He goes, I give it for free. I provide it. It's added to you. It's passive tense. You guys get it? We need to know we're perfectly loved. We're in perfect union with him and everything he has, he'll even start putting really crazy desires in your heart. Oh yeah, Mrs. Vermeer screwed you up. You can't be a pro athlete. Well, screw that. I'm just going to own the whole thing then. That really, I, that was, I'm excited about that now. It's just fun to me. You really think you're going to do it? Yeah, Mrs. Vermeer, shut up. Not Mrs. Vermeer, but there's a lot of Mrs. Vermeers in my life now, right? Oh, we'll believe it when we see it. No, you're not even getting in. I won't even let you in. A little turd, you. So, <laughs> but that's not Christian, so he keeps no record of wrong. Sometimes I do, Lord, so forgive me. So I know you guys are so holy, you never keep a record of wrong against anybody because you're so good, but every now and then it slips in there and I just want to hit him with the bat and I go, wait a minute. All right. That's not focusing on our oneness, is it? <laughs> I'm just trying to be real. I mean, once we get out of that weirdness, is even when I focus on that, has anything changed about my identity or my relationship or my ownership of all? No, it's only what we believe. So when we focus on love, life, what's good, we prove that our Father has already provided. That's Romans 12 too. You will prove what the perfect, acceptable will of God has always been true about your life when you focus on the right thing. And we just let him love it. You'll see that everything's already been provided and it just comes out of the spirit into the reality. Does that, does that help you guys? All right, so when we pray for people, I, it's really been fascinating. You guys have heard me talk about this. When, when I, I, stopped, I, stopped, uh, I stopped asking people when they're praying for their health, whatever, like, what's wrong with you? Tell me what the, so I can be specific with the diagnosis. I just think that's good evil tree now. It's, it's not even, it's, it's no, focus on these things, lovely, pure. So if somebody comes up with me, I've got diagnosed with, with kidney disease. Oh, good, let's, that's not focusing on what's lovely, true, pure, is it? It's fascinating because what, what I've learned to do, and I hope you guys are starting to get this, when we just, when we, I, I try consciously let them experience perfect love and light like I'm a conduit, even though they are too. They're one with God just as me. But I think when we, when we start loving somebody, they can feel it. It affects them in the spirit. Does that make sense? And I've seen more healings with no struggle, no Jesus, none of that. Uh, none of that. I just focus that you're perfectly loved. You're perfectly valuable. You're the lost coin that even though you may have lived a little bit dirty, you never lost your value, right? You've never lost your value. You were still just as valuable. Does that make sense? And even though you think, oh, I'm the prodigal or, hey, I've, I don't, I'm not worthy of this life because I didn't do this. That's the good, bad tree, guys. God didn't change. He says, you've always been my son. In your mind, you weren't my son. You've always been my son. Come back to the reality that you're in my home, that I'm one with you. We abode and you're in my name and you're in me. Does that help? So if you need provision, what do you focus on? I have perfect provision. I don't need to go get it. I have it. Does that make sense? And if I need health, what do I focus on? I'm, I'm, I really, I think it's, if you really want to make it easy, just let him love you because he's love and everything he has comes with it. It's fascinating to me. But you don't go, I need to create a plan to go do this. You go, no, I am not. Right? You guys understand that? All right, so let's just pray. Let's, let's wrap this up. Father, we love you. We praise you. We just thank you for this reality that we're one with you, that we're one with perfect love. We're in your house. Your abode is us. We're the mansions you're talking about. Once we realize that everything our name entitles us to, that we're already named in you, we're sons, heirs to everything he has, we can start to experience what we've always been true about us, 
we start to renew our mind and our heart to the truth. We don't focus on the bad, the good. We only focus on love. We only focus on light. Our oneness with you and everything you have starts to experience and bubble up out of our lives. We just say thank you because we want to be like little kids that not care about anything, not worry about anything. I don't care what it looks like. Nothing can separate you from perfect love. And you always take care of your kids. So we just say thank you for it in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen.